Welcome to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast with fraud expert Skip Myers. This is your guide to fighting fraud and chargebacks. Learn the best fraud prevention solutions and strategies. How to enhance your fraud prevention team. And how to prosecute criminals. Now, here's your host, Skip Myers. Hello everyone, welcome to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day Radio Network. Hey, this is Skip Myers reporting on the catch of the day. And today's catch of the day comes from the United States Justice Department. 11 individuals from Lagos, Nigeria have been indicted for conspiring to commit wire fraud. In Jacksonville, Florida, United States Attorney Maria Lopez announces the return of an indictment, charging numerous individuals from Nigeria with conspiracy to commit wire fraud. If convicted, each person faces a maximum penalty of 20 years in federal prison. According to the indictment, the defendants, all Nigerian citizens, targeted multiple U.S. corporations with phishing emails requesting that the company's payroll or human resources personnel send IRS Forms W-2 containing employee personal identifying information for their review. They used spoofed email addresses which marked in mass the actual email addresses, making it appear as if the message was sent from a higher level manager within the victim companies. So let's talk about email spoofing. We talked about this sometimes in the past on other podcasts. In email spoofing and phishing, wow, this is really a huge thing right now, really making the news. A lot of this is connected to some of these large data breaches we've seen in the recent past. But as you recall, email spoofing is the forgery of an email header or email information so that the message appears to have originated from someone or somewhere other than the actual source. Yeah, that makes sense, right? So email spoofing is a tactic used by bad guys in phishing and spam campaigns because people are more likely to open an email when they think and believe it's been sent from a legitimate source. So remember from the past podcast, we talked about phishing and some of these are more directed what we're talking about right now, spear phishing type attempts where it's more personalized, it's directed to you, it looks legitimate, and it's asking for a call to action, it's asking for information. It's probably, again, an urgent matter that these guys want you to attend to it in a, in a timely fashion. So they're trying to make you do something very quickly so that they can obtain some more personal, identifiable information to get through this scheme. So the information goes on to say that numerous companies around the United States were victimized by the sophisticated scheme, including a local Jacksonville, Florida-based business. The defendants, once they obtained the tens of thousands of employee W-2 forms, used the information to file false federal income tax returns with the IRS, claiming millions of dollars in fraudulent refunds. So to receive the fraudulent tax refunds generated from the scheme, the defendants used individuals in the United States to accept the proceeds and then send the money back to Lagos, Nigeria. In many instances, these individuals assisting in the United States were victims of a romance scheme whereby the defendants developed online relationships 
using fake social media outlets. So let's talk about a romance fraud or romance scheme. Very interesting. This happens quite a bit out there with all the information available on social media between Facebook and Twitter and other social platforms. But romance schemes and romance fraud really sometimes happens often on Facebook where victims will friend other suspects unknowingly without verifying some sort of bogus claim that they have a mutual uh, friend. And they start exchanging information, read each other's walls and information and photos. They would start posting things. They would like each other's. They start building this relationship. And sooner or later, they start sharing emails and then start sharing pictures. And it's all about the froster developing this relationship. So this is pretty much standard operating procedure for romance type schemers or scammers who will assume another person's identity to trick a victim. And they make themselves out to be an average looking type of guy or gal. You know, they don't really try to go overboard and exaggerate who they are and what they do. They want to be kind of average and kind of fit in and so that they're more believable. So again, the scammer's intention here is to establish a a quick relationship uh, with someone, endear themselves to that victim, obviously gain that trust. And sometimes these people actually propose uh, marriage. And then really what they end up doing is at some point they'll try to make plans to meet in person to get closer and share information and you know, become more friendly. But oftentimes that never happens. That The bad guy's just too busy and that just never happens. But eventually as they build the relationship, part of the romance scheme here is that they will ask the victim for money. And according to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, which is IC3, uh, which provides all of us a means to, of reporting Internet type of crimes, especially uh, romance uh, scams like this one, and sometimes they're also called confidence fraud, result actually in the highest amount of financial losses to victims when compared to other crimes. Kind of sad, isn't it? Everyone's looking for that great uh, relationship with somebody, and so many people seem to be lonely. Pretty unfortunate. But actually, I'm going to read some things from the actual indictment from the Justice Department And it reads like this. So Victim 1 was a company that provided transportation services and logistics with its headquarters in Jacksonville, Florida. In addition to Victim 1, other corporations located across the country were targeted by this conspiracy. In addition to the corporate victims, more than 1,300 other employees of Corporate Victim Number 1 in Jacksonville, Florida had their personal identifying information including forms, including the W-2s. Those were stolen, identified uh, with actual individual victims. So the indictment actually goes on to explain the terminology behind this conspiracy to commit fraud, which they term as a business email compromise. And they explain, as many of you know, it is a type of fraudulent scheme targeting businesses. And a business email compromise uses, among other things, email spoofing to obtain confidential business information. So the scam is carried out by, among other things, creating spoofed email addresses that appear to be legitimate email accounts and using that spoofed email address to fraudulently induce an employee there to provide personal identifying information like a PIN number, account number, something else to open up another part of an email or some other account to get more personal information. So again, email spoofing refers to the act of altering an email's information 
so that the email appears to the recipient to come from a different email address other than the one that is actually being sent from. What does that really mean? Um, in this case, the indictment explains it. Really, the goals of this conspiracy is all tied together with this spoofing and the email compromise conspiracy here. But it was the goal of this conspiracy for these defendants and their co-conspirators here in the United States to enrich themselves by using this business email compromise to trick this victim company and other companies into emailing their employees personal identifiable information to the defendants and co-conspirators and then using that information to file fraudulent tax returns with the IRS, which falsely claim millions of dollars in tax refunds. So the manner and means of this whole conspiracy really played out by these defendants and their co-conspirators means that they exchanged different targeted lists that detailed the names of United States corporations including this one particular corporation in Jacksonville, Florida, in the name and email address of each corporation's chief executive or chief financial officer, in the name and email address of a payroll or human resources employee. Information that these co-conspirators here could use to carry out the business email compromise scheme. Further part of the conspiracy was that the defendants and their co-conspirators created these spoofed email addresses. Obviously, it made it easy for them to fake out these employees at these companies. So these appeared to be legitimate, like I said before, legitimate email addresses associated with different executives within this company, this corporation, and other victim corporations. So a lot of this is included in what we've talked about before in other podcasts, and you should really, really be familiar with this type of scheme and educate other employees within your organization. But it's often called, and it doesn't say it here, but it's often called CEO fraud, targeted spear phishing. So CEO fraud, again, or CEO phishing, is a scam, which is what they're describing here, in which cyber criminals spoof company emails and then they impersonate these executives to try and fool someone else within the organization, either in accounting and finance or HR, into executing an unauthorized wire transfer or sending out other confidential tax information, PIN numbers, and anything else to open up an account. So think about it. So these other employees within the company will get an email that they thought or think and believe it came from maybe the CFO, the CEO, directing them to do something like a wild wire transfer. And because they believe the email and, and it looks legitimate and they're not going to ask a lot of questions, they go ahead and carry it out. Uh, and it's a very, very, you know, great scheme here by the bad guys because they're preying on all this misinformation and and really have, have a great scheme where these emails look like legitimate people within an organization, especially people that are executives. So again, this, this particular case was investigated by the FBI Cyber Squad and the Internal Revenue Service Criminal Investigation Division, and it's currently being prosecuted by Assistant United States Attorney Jay Taylor, I believe there in Florida. So very interesting case, but really the 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 meat and potatoes of this case are really, again, phishing. In this case, it's spear phishing. It's a targeted email that looks legitimate. In this case, it looks like it's coming from within this organization, being directed from someone like a CEO 
CFOs, you know, and then in that email, which looks legitimate, is being sent to someone else within payroll or finance or human resources requesting additional information that will unlock a, a bigger account, a PIN, or some other information so these bad guys can use this information and then defraud the IRS with fraudulent tax returns. So let's think about this. So this is a bigger scheme. A lot of people call this whaling. So I don't know if you guys have heard of whaling before, but whaling attacks work because executives often don't participate in security awareness programs, you know, with their company, which is unfortunate. So, you know, to counter that threat and in the risk of CEO fraud or CEO phishing, you know, all company personnel and people within your organization, everyone should be part of an ongoing security awareness training for this specific type of fraud scheme. That way you're you're familiar with what uh, the possibilities of being defrauded are. And then in this case, what's interesting to me, no one at these companies said, hey, wait a minute, press pause and let me go talk to my boss and see if this is legit. Because, you know, my CEOs never asked me to transfer money before to somebody or the CFOs never asked me to release PIN numbers and personal information on employees before. So maybe there's other things going on in different organizations that do not have an open communication policy. And again, the bad guys uh, really prey on that, prey on the busyness of organizations, and I guess really the lack of communication that a lot of companies have. So what's really important here, this is a great case. FBI and the IRS did a great job investigating this, coming together collectively, collecting this information on a very big international criminal enterprise involving individuals halfway across the world in Nigeria and then co-conspirators located here in the United States. Very interesting case. Apparently it's still developing as far as the amount of defendants. I didn't read off all the defendants. There's so many involved here, both internationally and here in the United States. But again, this is a very dynamic case. It's still evolving. But the really the lessons here are is to is through awareness and communication within your organization. If you do not have a security awareness program uh, and you're in the on your in the particular fraud team, if you're in human resources or in the finance department or fraud prevention, get with those folks in your organization and get with them and start creating a security awareness program that really emphasizes what to look for with suspicious emails. And there could be a, a way within your organization that your IT team or someone else can actually tag certain emails that originate from outside your organization as something as such. Beware of this email did not originate from an internal communication. That right there will add a little extra awareness for the recipient to scrutinize that email a little bit closer, maybe ask that extra question and get someone else involved before it's too late and they expose their company to a greater threat. So again, hats off to the FBI and the IRS for working on this and the assistant at, uh, United States attorney there prosecuting this case. This is a great example of how collectively different organizations come together to ruin a bad guy's day. More information can be obtained through fbi.gov. And if you have any internet crime type questions or you need to report a complaint where you may be involved with a phishing scheme, a romance scheme, something dealing with a whaling attack, contact the FBI or as a part of the FBI, you have the Internet Crime Center, which is ic3.gov. Uh, ic3.gov. You can report that, report the complaint, all the particular information is needed there to help them investigate this, and you can see what happens when people come together to ruin a bad guy's day. Thank you, everybody.
Thanks for listening to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast with Skip Myers. If you liked our show, please tell your friends and colleagues. You can learn more about us at ruinabadguysday.com or visit us on Twitter and Facebook at Ruin a Bad Guy's Day. Join us for another episode of Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast. The information provided in Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. You should consult with legal counsel or other professionals to determine what may be best for your individual or organizational needs.